0: Every time we come together for His glory. And uh, if there's somebody here today that you don't know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, that uh, you'll hear the truth. And I pray God to stir your heart and you'll come to the place to humble yourself and receive the greatest gift God's ever offered through His Son's forgiveness of sin, life. So when you look in in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, <clears throat> it says, Now, now it happened... As he went through or went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee and then as he entered a certain village there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off <clears throat> and they lifted up their voices and said Jesus master have mercy on us so when he saw them he said to them go show yourselves to the priest and so it was as they as they went they were cleansed and one of them, you ought to underline in the Bible. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned, and with a loud voice he glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner and he said to him, arise, I like that response, mm, whoever did that, that was good, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. So you start off, and I just want to kind of focus in on uh an attitude of thankfulness, an attitude of thankfulness. You know, I was studying on this for the last couple of weeks, and really God tuned me up on about Wednesday uh with this message I think it was yeah it was wednesday <clears throat> and so this is where i'm at and where 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 this come from so this last um tuesday or monday or tuesday we was together with cody and Alyssa, and, and uh they had lincoln their little baby their new little baby and uh, cody was talking about and it was like an indention on his chest <clears throat> and uh, so watching him breathe and that kind of stuff, we we got really concerned about that and and started looking and, and that kind of stuff, calling some people and figured out we needed to uh, take him to Cook's in Dallas to the Children's Hospital to get this checked out because he seemed to be kind of having some trouble breathing and and all that stuff and then cody gets on the internet i wish he hadn't told me but he gets on the internet and he starts telling me what he what he thinks it is and what what happens with that and how they they have to go in and do a surgery and put a bar on the inside of the chest to push it out and and all this different stuff so naturally my mind kicks in i'm thinking about a little baby and and surgery and all stuff and, and and uh without trying to let anybody know i was really concerned and so naturally i started begging god and praying and i was praying and uh through the night and through the day and the next morning him and him and listen and my wife got up and they left out i had work and and uh anyhow as the day went on you know they did all these tests and stuff and it come back that he is—he's okay, and his breathing's okay, and his lungs is okay, and and all that stuff, and nothing needed to be done right now. Maybe, maybe later. But but when they called and they sent text and they gave me that information, you know, I was like, "Thank you so much, Lord." But as I but as I thought about that, you know, and I looked at this scripture, my thankfulness did not look like his thankfulness. And as I studied I thought, Lord, Lord, why is it that I've come, I've become complacent, I guess, in a lot of ways? You know, maybe you're not like me, but, but when all of a sudden I'm like these ten lepers, you know, these, Jesus is on the way, what I would call the trail to the cross. He's headed to Jerusalem and he's going to be crucified. And along the way, you know, he says he goes through Samaria and Galilee. And, you know, Samaria and Galilee, Galilee was where he was raised. And Samaria would have been what we would call the slums. And Galilee was too, basically. It was a lower lower class living, that kind of stuff. And yet, that's where Jesus, I want you to hear some things this morning. That's where um, Jesus went through when he was going on the way to the cross. You know, that was the type of people that that the religious folk of that day didn't even consider. You know, they didn't really want those kind of people coming to the temple, especially the Samaritans, the Jews. They hated the Samaritans. Yet the trail to the cross took Jesus right through there. And it should continue to take us through there. It should take us back to where we come from. I think a lot of times we need to remember what grace has brought us out of. You know, I don't like thinking about my past, but I do like to always remember what grace has delivered me from. And what I'm not anymore, so holy because of God's grace. And, um, and so Jesus was going through there and, and it says as he went that there were these ten lepers that lifted up their voice for mercy. <clears throat> and I was thinking about that and, and I thought so many times in our lives when we find ourselves in a desperate place, you know, a leper was a horrific disease It basically just rotted your body. You know, you know, fingers fall off. Thank you, bud. Let's just deal with that right now. Thank yep. you. Leprosy, leprosy. You know, we won't go into detail, but it, it was—it's a picture of of sin. That's why Jesus healed so many lepers, because that's what sin does. Sin slowly. Slowly eats our lives apart. Rots, filth, decay, stink on the inside. And there was no hope for a leper. Once you had leprosy, once the priest declared that you were a leper, you were cast out. You couldn't be around your wife, your kids, your husband, you know, your family, the people. When people saw you, they would be wrapped up in rags because their whole body was sores and fingers falling off and ears and nose and all that kind of stuff. You, I want you to get a real good picture of what sin does to your life, okay? And so <clears throat> that's the situation. The only other people they were around were lepers. That's kind of why sinners gather together. And there's a whole lot of messages in this that those lepers would have remained lepers and died lepers had not Jesus gone through the slums where the lepers were. And there are sinful people today, everybody in this room, sitting and standing. Whether or not you've been saved or even if you are saved, you're no different. And I'm no different than that stinking leper. That we were without hope. And we gather around other sinners you know, didn't want to be around godly people by mo- for the most part, but I thank God that Jesus sent people into my life, into my slums to tell me the hope of the gospel. But anyhow, you know the Lord um, He comes and and you'll notice how they respond or how they responded when Jesus kind of are standing afar off and they cry out, Lord, notice what they say, Master, have mercy on us. I believe they was willing to go to just about any extent to have the situation that they were in changed. And I'm, I'm so guilty of when things happen in my life that I, like, for instance, like with a baby or, or whatever it is that comes along, certain conditions in my life, I'm willing to go to an extreme to get God's attention so that he'll help. I'm sorry, y'all. And cry out and fast and pray and get on my face and, you know, whatever it takes, God. I just want you to, I want to humble myself and I want you to hear me and help me. And so that's what they do. And and uh and God, and God in his mercy, the Lord's so good, you know, he's just like, all right, y'all, go show yourself to the priest. You know, think about this, they're still... Got leprosy, still wrapped up in a rag, still nasty and unclean, all that stuff. And he's like, go show yourself to the priest. Because they would do that so the priest would declare them clean. If they had been healed, you would go show yourself to a priest. The priest would go, you're clean, and they could go back into society. And so they, by faith, this is a picture of faith. By faith, they hear the word of God because God just spoke to them. And they act in obedience and faith, and they start going towards the priest. And as they walked in obedience and faith, the miracle took place, and they were all healed. Doesn't say these were not believers. Doesn't say that they were believers. Okay, God reigns on the just and the unjust. So, so just because you see a miracle in your life doesn't mean that you're a believer. God does miracles for a lot of people because he shows, he shows His goodness, and hopefully, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. But they're but they're healed as they walk along the way. So, one of the things I want to point out to you, if you if you in and in place in your life, you're like, I need something that only Jesus can do. I need a miracle from the Lord. I want this to change in my life. Then go to God's Word, see what it says, act in faith and obedience, and begin to walk in that way. And as you walk in that way. A lot of times what we want to do is we just want to pray and go, Heaven didn't answer. Heaven didn't answer. What God wants you to do is be obedient to the word because you believe it. And because you believe him, you begin to walk in that way. And you'll see the miracle come to pass as you walk in faith. That's what happens with these with these lepers here. And uh, then you see the response is where, where I really want to go on and spend a lot of time there. But you see the response once these lepers were cleansed. This was a... This is just like salvation. They went from death to life physically. When we're saved, when we trust Christ in the word and put our faith and trust in Jesus, our Lord and our master, we go from death spiritually to life. A lot of, a lot of things like I say here. But what I want to point out is the response of thankfulness and how it differed there between the one and the nine. And I want you to consider your thankfulness and your worship. You know, I wasn't in here the whole time. We were back there praying some this morning, but man, I'm not watching anybody else or judging anybody else. But I go, you know, we're the we're the church. We're the children of God. We've been born again. We're like these lepers. We've been raised from from the dead spiritually. And now we've been given eternal life. We were filthy. I was in my sin. And God cleansed me and now I'm holy before God in his presence. Not condemned because of the filth in my life. Because of the grace of God and all this. And yet I look at that and we're in a room full of people. And as we gather together each week. How how many times do we really see a scene like this? In any church that I've been involved with. You know, all I've ever been is a Baptist and... And so I've been in several Baptist churches and there's a whole lot of them that's way different than our church. I'll tell you that in which you would never see this scene happen in a Baptist church. Yet the Lord didn't say, Hey, don't do that. Hey, that's not right. Hey, that's out of order. Hey, that's not dignified. And, and as I look at this and go, then why am I? Why do I not approach God in this way? And sometimes I do. I'm not saying you always, the only time you don't want to just be thankful when you're at church. Okay. But, but what I do say is that, that, if it's acceptable and it's pleasing to the Lord when you're by yourself, then it's acceptable and it's pleasing to the Lord wearing we're in a congregation. And so this, this leper, when you look at a spirit of, of thankfulness, the first thing I want you to think about is that thankfulness transfers from the outside to the inside. It transfers from the outside. God is always blessing us on the outside. You might not see that. You know, I heard a story this week of a man. He bought an expensive pair of pants. And he wanted to wear those pants. And he, he asked his wife if she would iron those pants. And so she gets in there ironing. And she loses her focus. And she leaves the iron setting. And she burns a big old hole in his brand new high dollar pants. And and as she's showing him, he's about to get upset. And then he brings himself in. He's like, I just thank you, Lord, that my leg wasn't in that while she was ironing it. <laughs> There's always something that you can be thankful for depending on what your view is. And God's always, he's always, if you're here today and you had the ability to laugh just then, that means God gave you breath in your lungs. God's given you legs to come to this place. God's given us amazing weather this morning. Thankful to the Lord. There are so many things that you can look at that God's doing on the outside. But here's the thing. The reason that God does good things to us on the outside because he wants to get to the inside. And there's so many things. The goodness of God. talks about in in Romans chapter 2. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. God blesses. God blesses not. The blessings of God don't necessarily come on us because we deserve them. Or because we're good. Or because we impress God so he blessed us. God blesses even wicked, evil, lost people. God blesses even disobedient people sometimes. You know, every day we see the goodness of God. And what God wants to do, thankfulness. When you become thankful, it's because what God has done for you on the outside has transferred to the inside. This the, the, the Bible says when the leopard saw that he was healed. So if you have an old bitter, unthankful spirit and you complain more than anything, then you need to open your blind eyes to all that God's doing on the outside. And he wants to transfer it to the heart. Now here's the thing, the other nine, their condition changed, but their heart remained the same. And I think that's a majority, just like it was a majority here. It's still a majority today. I wonder how many of you watch what's going on in Israel. Everybody, anybody, everybody knows what's going on. If you don't know what's going on in Israel, I tell you, you better keep up with it because we could be right there. You know, I've been telling you all for a year now, and I'm trying to not say I'm prophet by no means, but I'm saying, when you look what's going on in the world, the return of Jesus could be very, very close Not a coincidence that this happened on the Feast of Tabernacles, people, okay? So what I'm saying is, a lot of times when things like this happen and the change that takes place in our world, you know, when they flew the airplanes through our building, you know, the next Sunday, all the churches were full. We thought, oh no, here it comes, the end of the world, the fall of the United States, war, death, and all of a sudden, eternity enters into the thought of man. Man knows in his heart. We don't like to think about it. We think, you know, me and my wife talking about this morning, like, it's funny how in our day, not a lot of people think about, they don't think about judgment. They don't want to think about dying and death like they used to. They don't want to deal with it. You know, out of a hundred popular preachers today, maybe two of them will, will mention hell. Most of them will never mention hell. We don't want to talk about any of that stuff anymore. You ever notice, you know, I ain't picking on you when, but you notice... You know, now in my days, they didn't have Botox back in my mama's days when she was younger. But now in, in this day, a lot of women y'all y'all want to get rid of your wrinkles, and that's that's your business. I don't got nothing against it. Get rid of your wrinkles, and then we we do all these things that you know we go to the spas, and men we you know we hopped on. Uh, we don't do a whole lot, if you know the truth. We working out and eating right, and there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But what I'm saying is, you can do all that stuff. I could go get hair implants, put an Afro wig on, whatever I want to do. Okay. Walk in and look at the mirror. And here's the problem with that. Sometimes we deceive ourselves to go, I look like 20, but you ain't. (laughs) You ain't. You're, You're 50 and you're 60. And what happens is we deceive ourselves to go, now because I've done all these things and I look like I'm 20, I don't have to think. In reality, I don't have long to go. You can change the outside, but the Bible says... In Hebrews, it is appointed unto man who wants to die. And after this, the judgment, every person here, you got your date with death. Nobody gets out of here alive. And every one of us are going to die. Now, you might have a tight face and a big head of hair in that casket, but your soul is going to be in one of two places. And And I think we need to come back to the place to deal with that. Because what happens is a lot of times we do like the nine. We get in a condition, whether it's we have a health condition, we have a family condition, we have a world condition. And everybody kind of, God does a little shaking. We start thinking about eternity. We think the reality is, you know what? I could end up in hell because hell is real. It's as real as the floor I'm standing on. And if you die without Jesus, you're going to be in hell because you chose to go there where you're going to suffer in torment and in judgment and in burning hot fire. For the rest of all eternity, call it a myth, call it whatever you want to, but it's real. It's as real as the resurrection of Jesus. And so in that, you know, here's my thing. I don't want anybody to end up there. And I'm not trying to scare anybody out of it. What I am saying is, why go there when Christ did everything that he needed to do to offer you the gift of forgiveness in life? But, But their condition changed. And you know what they did? They went on about their business. And there's so many people who get out of jail, who get out of divorce, who get out of financial trouble, who get out of health. The whole time they're, they're in that situation, they're crying out to God. And they're on their face. And they're in the church. And they're doing all, they're going to the full extent and measure to capture God's attention. And all of a sudden when God does something and and things change, they're no longer worried about God's attention. They're just worried about the things they need to take care of in life. And that's what takes place here. The second thing, thankfulness is very personal and direct. You'll notice that this leper returned. When he saw that he was healed, he didn't just take on an attitude of thankfulness. Oh, thank you, Lord. Man, that's great. I'm, I'm so guilty of that. But he made it a point. And this is where it gets very personal. He made it a point to go, I want to turn and I want to go back and I want to look him in the eyes and i want to bow down before him in his presence and i just want to glorify him i want him to know i appreciate everything that he just cost for me and so thankfulness is not just an attitude it's actually an action he looked at jesus and it was very purposeful no matter whether it's at your house no matter where you where you see the hand of god move whether it's in the church But honestly, when we come here, you don't come here to receive. You're not just here to hear the word. We come here and gather in corporate worship to offer God thanks, to offer God praise, to give him the glory that's due to his name. Psalm 100 says, enter into his presence with thanksgiving. Oh, come and let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. It's not talking about bowing of the heart. It's talking about the bowing of the knees, of the body, of the face. You know, and I, I, I love worship, and I love when people worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And, and you know, everybody's got their own thing. And, and some people raise hands, and I'm great with that, and clapping, whatever it is. You know, if it brings glory to God, that's where I'm at. But but I, I, but I just go, I think we've kind of lost the whole Bow down and and on our face before God and just praise. Even even when you're by yourself at the house or in the woods or or where it is that you meet with the Lord, that you that you get down on your face with your face touching the dirt, the dirt that you were made out of, to go, God, I just want to lower myself because only you are worthy of praise, and I want to thank you, God. That's what thanks looks like. You know you know what it doesn't look like. This leper when he was healed. That's probably ticked some of y'all, but you'll get over it, okay? <laughs> now everybody's paying attention. This leper, when he was healed, you know what? He didn't turn around, go back, stand 50 feet from Jesus with his hand in his pocket and stare at him. He didn't. But in, but in 90% of churches, 90% of the people, that's what we call worship. We go, we stand, we look at the screen, we listen to the people on stage, we sit, we absorb. We get out and we go critique. We're not here for that. And if that's where you're at, and I've, I'm I'm in the same place too. I'm I'm in the same boat with you a lot of days. But but I hate that in me. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want to be like the nine. I want to be like the one. Because here's the thing. This is what's amazing. This guy is a Samaritan. He's a foreigner. You know, he don't know diddly about the Lord pretty much or about worship. He had his own ideas. All these other ones, obviously, I guess they were Jewish. You know, they go to the temple. They've they been taught. They know the law. They know the ceremonies. They know the sacrifices. They know the time the church starts. They know when to shut up and sit down. When the lights come on the screen, that's your cue. They know what to do. They know what to say. They know when the announcements, the offerings come and the preachers go. and, And we know everything about it. We know the Christian lingo. Yet the only one that got it right was this foreigner. Could it be, you know, Jesus said that, I can't even, it just come out of the mouth of babes. Basically, we learn the truth out of the mouth of babes. Think about this man's worship. He was a wretched sinner, undeserving of anything from God, yet he was the only one who got it right. This is pure, raw, untaught worship. Now, I'm not into saying, well, what, do whatever feels right. I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about is what we want to do is we want to be like the nine and make sure everybody else worships like we do. We want to get people saved. Then we want to mold them into where they look like everybody else. And then when one shows up that worships God in spirit and the truth, we all go, oh, what's going on with that person? You know, we want to make sure people are dignified. And I realize this this probably isn't so much in our church as much as it is in a lot of them I've been in. But we want to make sure there's church reverence. There's a difference between godly reverence and church reverence. Let's just, I'm just going to throw a sucker punch, all right? Here's the thing. What we say church reverence is, come in, dress right, act right. Stand right, sit right, be very quiet, and don't get too carried away. Because that's called reverence. That, to me, is called dead. And if it's dead around here, we're going to bury it. Here, Here's the thing. I'm, everybody, I'm not saying everybody is a jumper or a clapper. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is I've seen some of y'all get excited before at football games, baseball games, hunting woods. You know, how many of you, let's be honest, how many of you, if you stand at your house, you're in the side this week, you hear a knock at the door, you walk outside, there's a TV camera, there's somebody there with a microphone, and they said, you just won $10 million in the Publisher's Clearinghouse sweepstakes. I wonder how many of us would go. Thank you. <laughs> you know why they've got that camera? They're waiting for a response. I wonder if God comes to church with a camera. Where he's like, I just gave my son. He was crucified on a cross. His body was shredded for your sin. He was buried in a grave. He was with a spit-covered face. He was totally naked and humiliated before all the world as they mocked him. And I did that because I love you. You came to me and I just raised you from the dead and I saved you from a devil's hell and I just gave you a home in my kingdom, eternal life. I wonder how many of us go, thank you. Cowboys about to start. You know where I'm at? And I just go, man, what if, they, what if he plays that back in heaven? What if he's videoing our worship? What if he's videoing, not even at church, listen to me, not even just at church, but but every day, When those prayers are answered, how many prayers does God answer for you that goes unthanked, unmentioned? Lord's like, y'all, y'all watch this. I just gave them a clean bill of health. They had cancer. Get the cameras out. You got a clean bill of health. Oh, yay, now I can go back to work and I can make another million and I can put some more money here and I can drive this and I can have that. You know what, God? Thank you so much, but I got to get on about life because I got to make sure I'm behind on life because of the things that I just went through. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, reverence to me, uh, y'all give me just a little bit. Here's the thing about worship and reverence. When I, when, and I've told you this before, this is a great illustration, I think. When I do Christmas, I like big Christmas. You say, you're so worldly. Whatever, you do you and I'll do me, okay? Y'all gather around the outside manger and worship, but I'm going to have fun with my kids, okay? And <clears throat> we're going to do plenty of worshiping, but but you know how it is when you're a daddy or even a, a grandpa. You know, you, you, when you go work like a dog, so that you can buy those kids something they don't need, but you just want to get it for them? Why do you want to sacrifice and work and do all that and then go in debt, like so many people do, wrap it up, they get there on Christmas morning, you hand them their present, and you're like, you know, new bicycle, whatever it is, you're straight, you're, you stretch yourself out, I know you do, and you're waiting. What would it be like if that kid went, thanks, you want, you want to, is that the wrong bike? You want to, you want to ride it? Oh no, no, I, I greatly appreciate it. You know what I want? man, <laughs> I mean, get out the cameras because it's going to be good. You want a response. You know why? Because you just gave something that was very sacrificial, precious. It was an expression of your love and your life. I want you to be excited. That's what you, God gave everything to us. And, and I think he, he's waiting as we're getting ready to worship. He's like, watch this, Jacob's cranking up the guitar. Y'all, all the angels, if you study the word loud in the Bible, this dude came back with a, he didn't say with a quiet voice, with a reverent voice. He said, with a loud voice, we're talking about public. He began to praise God. He didn't care who was around. He didn't care what other people thought. This is just, he was so excited over being cleansed and what had taken place with him. And he's like, I want everybody to hear what Jesus has done. And I'm so thankful to you, God. Main thing is, I want Jesus to hear it. And that's what thankfulness should be in my life. That's what it should look like every day in my life. I don't care where I'm at, where I'm, you know. So many times when I pray, when I go somewhere, and I'm not trying to catch people's attention, but sometimes I tone it down, you know, when I'm in McDonald's. <laughs> and Lord, just want to thank, thank you so much for this big man. Amen. You know, but, but hey, y'all don't do that. But then you come to church, like, oh, Heavenly Father, God in heaven, thou shalt be God, and you're on the throne, and you're sovereign. But when we go to a public place, we're really tone it down real small, real quick. Let's just bless the food so we don't choke and so that we say we prayed the prayer. And I'm like, I think we're a little bit too reverent, church reverent. But anyhow, this dude was in, he was still in spirit and truth mode. Jesus said, I want people to worship me in spirit and in truth. And and you'll notice that Jesus noted the absence of the nine. I wonder if the Lord ever goes to church. You know, the church where you go, you don't have to go to church, that church. I wonder if the Lord ever shows up on Sunday on his day that he set aside to be worshipped. Which we worship God every day, but the Lord did set aside his day. Where he's like, I want my people to come together. There's a family reunion this week. I don't want to wait a month because then you're going to get way behind on your thankfulness. I've done so much for you this week. And he looks over the crowd and go, didn't I do something great in 100 people and there's only six here? Right? Come on, y'all. I'm, I'm ta- I'm gonna preach to me. Y'all amen on me, alright? Didn't I do something great in that pastor's life this week and he didn't, he didn't show up to preach this morning? That was last week, alright? Say, <laughs> so what was going on? None of your business. That's what was going on, alright? The Lord knew what was going on and I wasn't just being stupid, alright? But, but anyhow, I just, you know, you go, where, so where was the nine? I allowed, my, I allowed my my brain to kind of wander that, and thought, you know what? Maybe they stayed at the temple when they went to the temple. Maybe they was like, "We're going to the sanctuary. We're going to go in here and worship in the sanctuary." Maybe they did go through a process of what they called worship. Maybe they went in, and they they showed the priest, and they were like, "Okay, now we we can, we have access to the sanctuary, and we're going to go in here. We're going to sing, and we're going to quote scripture, and we're going to pray." And I'm like. There's a lot of people who go through a form of worship, but my question is, are you face-to-face with Jesus? Because I want to worship Him. I'm not here to worship the sanctuary or the day or the process or the ceremony. I want to see Jesus. He's the only one I want to see. He's the only one who's worthy of worship. He's the only one I want to give thanks to. And if that's in the sanctuary or in the parking lot or in a tree somewhere or out in the shopping mall, wherever it's at, I want to see him. That's the greatest thing about heaven. The greatest thing about heaven. I might be repeating myself because I talk so much through the week with people. And if I repeat myself, you probably didn't even remember it, but I just go... If I stood, you know, if I died and I walked into, into glory and an angel went and showed me 10,000 acres and I saw elk running everywhere and the river was full of fish and, and he handed me a fly rod and a bow and a, and a gun and went, this is yours for all eternity. You can share it. It's going to be amazing. You know, my question would be is, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Because uh, this is, that's what happens about all, you didn't, you don't have access to him, but we give, like, I don't, you keep all this stuff. You can keep all this stuff. I want to I, would you be willing to give it up to see him? Yes, I would, in a heartbeat. I, I want to look at the one face to face who's been so good to me in my life. Who delivered a wretched godless idiot from the sin that I so desperately loved and saved my soul from what I was headed for and give me life that is so incredible. I want to look at him in his eyes, bow before him and go, God, thank you, Lord, thank you. You know, maybe they was at a tailgate party, or or, or or maybe this. Maybe they were. Maybe they had to work to catch up. You know, think about it. They're lepers, they're behind on their bills, behind on everything else. All of a sudden, God does something like, "Thank you, Lord. Now I can get back to work and I catch up, and I can make a whole lot of money and have a whole lot of stuff." Isn't it funny how godly we get when all of a sudden everything shuts down? And I like, wait a second. Didn't God just fix you to where? He should be first. If he hadn't come along, you wouldn't be worried about making money. You'd be dead. You know, thankfulness, finishing up right here. Look in verse uh, 17. So Jesus answered and said, were not the ten cleansed? shows you he has an expectation of our worship. But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, now notice this, Arise. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. You know what thankfulness is? It's the result and the evidence of a saving faith. Not only had it transferred from the outside to the inside, it made a transformation on the inside that's now coming to the outside. That's the whole point of this process jesus went to the cross here's my question for you this morning has what jesus has done for you on the cross transferred from the outside to the inside has it done such a work in your heart and in your life that now it transfers from the inside back to the outside because thankfulness is the result and evidence of a saving faith You can sit here and tell me all you want to about, oh yeah, I'm a believer. and Yeah, I'm saved and and me and Jesus have our thing. But you have no worship in your life? You better go deceive somebody else. Because a believer is a worshiper. A born-again believer is thankful. A born-again believer recognizes the weight of the gospel in their life. And their life's desire is to bring honor and glory to the one that has radically changed them. If you have no desire to bring honor and glory to Jesus, you have not been changed. And you need to come to the place where you're overwhelmed by God's goodness. You know, the trail to the cross, not only for the lost, the wretched, the sin, sick sinners, but also those who were and now have been redeemed, who go there often to worship the one that's healed them. You know what Jesus passed you I hope he did he crossed your trail on the way to the cross he gave you the offering to go you give me your sin you know in my mind i just I just imagine as you as you look at the last part of Jesus' life there were certain places that he went you know we just went through where he talked about he went to Zacchaeus and, and he goes to these lepers and, and then the woman who washed his feet and, and all these different things, you see him going and in my mind I go, you know what, I believe I believe Jesus was just picking up their sin. He was just picking up their sin. He would just say, you know what, you give me your sin, I'll give you my life. You give me your sin. What about, what about that sin? Don't worry, I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for it. And he went to the cross and bore my sin. He carried, he picked up your tab. An amazing tab, an amazing debt that I owed. He's like, you give that to me and I'm going to take care of it. Went to the cross and died fully paying for your sin. If you're here and you don't know Christ save, you don't know where you're going to go when you die, please listen to this. You're a sinner just like me. Lost because of your sin. Separated from God because of your sin. Because God does one thing with sin, he punishes it. That's the, all he does within. He punishes it. He pours out wrath on sin because he's a holy God, and my sin had me separated from a holy God, and rightfully so. God, when you die, God's not going to go, Oh, you did a lot of good things. You did some bad things, more good than bad, so you're good to go. That's not in the Bible. You've done one wicked thing. You're condemned. You're separated from God. One wicked thing. Jesus loves you, loves you. How do I know that Jesus loves you? Because he went to the cross to pay the punishment for your sin. He went through hell on the cross so you didn't have to go through hell for eternity. Fully bore the weight and the punishment of our sin. God the Father poured out wrath and hell on his son on a cross. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that God saw the torment of Jesus' soul and said, I'm satisfied. Jesus' last words, I'm finished. Everything's finished. Died and buried your sin in a grave. Three days later, he walked out victorious over sin and over death and over the power of hell. And he opens up a nail-pierced hand to go, I offer you a free gift of forgiveness if you'll turn to me. If you'll repent, turn from your sin, trust in me to save you. I'll be your Lord and Savior, and I'll carry you the rest of the way home because I love you. Not because you're scared to death, not because you're scared, I'm going to. Because I want you to know how much I love you. Will you receive that gift this morning? Say, so how do I receive it? Right where you are. You don't got to come up here. Oh, I don't want to come up in front of people. Good, don't. Stay where you are. Come before the Lord to go, Lord, I, I want that gift. You know, when Peter was sinking, last, last point. Remember when Peter was on the water? He's walking to Jesus on the water. He began to sink. Say, how did, how did the Lord save him? He cried out and said, Lord, save me. That was it. I only pray, pray. Lord, save me. The thief on the cross, he was fixing to check out in eternity. Luke 23, he cursed the Lord at 9 o'clock. This is 12. And he's like, he looks at him and he says, Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise not about the words you say it's about the heart for which you approach to go god i need that gift i need your forgiveness i'm asking you to forgive me and save my soul god will save your soul change your life change your residence change your eternity change everything Say, so what am i supposed to do after that thank you live with a thankful heart in everything that you do let it be an expression of your thankfulness towards the goodness and grace and mercy of god in your life will you stand with your head bowed Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you. Thank you so much, God, for your goodness and your grace. Lord, your mercy in our lives every day. God, every day you show us mercy. Every day we fall and we fail. Every day you show us mercy. Every day you lift us up. Every day you point to the cross. Every day you remind us that you never leave us or forsake us. Every day you put bread on our table. Every day you clothe us. Every day you provide for us. God, every day you you sustain our health. Every day you're a shield and a sun around us. You you keep hell back from what it would do, God, because you're our fortress. Every day, God, let us be reminded of your presence, of your goodness, of your grace. Because if you ever removed it, there'd be nothing left. You're our hope and our life, God. You think about us every day. Your word says you sing over us. You rejoice over us. God, help us not to be so prideful that we can't rejoice over you. And I pray, God, you would give us a thankful heart. Let us be a thankful people. Every day, God, to take the opportunity, Lord, just to come before you, to bow and just give you thanks, God. We so many times we bow when everything's bad. God, let us be a people who bow when everything's good. And I pray for someone here today that's never trusted you, Lord, that, that today they'd bow before you and receive the gift that you offer them through your your death, burial, and resurrection. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.